You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget here on Moody Radio 89.3. And it's true, each and every day, it seems like we're bombarded with images of the ideal body. There's diet culture, there's anti-aging marketing, and many women find themselves on a never-ending quest to change their reality. But how can we see our bodies as good as God created them? We're talking about that today with Heather Creekmore. She's a podcaster, an author, and also also the author, really, of a brand new resource called the 40-Day Body Image Workbook. Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's such a pleasure to be with you this morning. You know, I think we want to hear a little bit about your story and what you're talking about here, but I think to give a good kind of understanding of this, we have to go to the end of your book. So if you don't mind, could you explain to us what a full life looks like? Ooh, (laughs) I love that. You know, a full life is one where I am focused above, where I understand that I'm unconditionally loved, and where I'm able to live in fullness and in freedom. That's the acronym I use for full at the end of the book. And and really, this ties into my story because I was raised in a Christian home. I went to Christian school. I knew God's Word. I knew He loved me. And yet my story is one where I spent decades consumed with trying to change my body and not living in the freedom that Christ had for me, because I really, uh, it's hard to admit, but I believed that freedom would come when I got my body the way I wanted my body to look. Yeah, there's that elusive chase for either the perfect number or whatever that ideal is. And so often we can feel less than if we haven't achieved some type of artificial standard. And that's a very common struggle, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is, Bridget. I love that you called it an artificial struggle, right? (laughs) Or artificial standard. Standard, Because the struggle is real. (laughs) Standard (laughs) is artificial. Um, Because... So many of us hear these messages all day long, every day from every direction, telling us this is what we should look like. This is what we should be like. This is how we should eat. This is how we should exercise. You know, there's no end to the number of Instagram or YouTube influencers that I can find that will tell me, hey, look like or eat like this to look like me or exercise like this and you look like me. And we try all the things, don't we? And when they don't work out that way, we just find ourselves right back at square one, feeling frustrated, really blaming and shaming ourselves and our bodies, wondering why we can't make it work like that. And really, in a way, y'all, we're believing a false gospel. We're believing a gospel that changing our bodies, weight loss, body transformation, would save us, that it would give us rest, peace, joy, hope, all those things that we can really truly find only in Christ, not in weight loss or body transformation. So that must be an issue then for the non-believer, not for the believer, because we trust the gospel. (laughs) We believe the gospel, right? Is that that what you're saying? (laughs) Oh, I wish that's what I was saying. You know, I, I, like I shared, I've spent decades struggling with this personally as a Christian. And over the last 10 years, I've had the opportunity to coach women. And I have a podcast, so I talk to Christian women. That's my audience. I talk to Christian women each and every week. 
And I'm afraid to say that we Christians are struggling with this in very much the same ways that the world is. And, and that's why I wrote this book, because it's troubling, right? Like Matthew 6 tells us not to worry about our bodies. And yet the pressure is real and the confusion really around it is real, right? Because we want to be good stewards of our bodies, but too often that language gets kind of twisted into making us, I'm going to use the word conform to the patterns of this world where we're trying to, you know, do to our bodies and change our bodies in the same way that everyone in culture is advising. And, you know, it it can really take us off track. It can really distract us, I believe, from, from what God has for us. So what would you say is the root cause of this issue that is so common, not just for the unbeliever, but even for the believer? Yeah. So, you know, for me, what I found was my root cause, and I found this for many other women too, is idolatry. You know, I, like I said, raised in the church, but modern day idolatry was a concept that I wasn't really familiar with. I thought we don't have any statues in our house, so we don't have any idols. And it wasn't until much later in my life, I was listening to the teaching of Tim Keller, and I heard him explain how a modern day idol is really anything that consumes your heart, anything that you elevate in your life and believe that if you have that thing, you will be saved. And what I'm finding over and over again, as I try to encourage Christian women who are struggling with this, is that they have made beauty or body size or a certain type of body an idol. They have believed, you know, idols lie to us, right? They've believed the lies of the idol that say, you know what, if you can just get here, if you can just lose this weight, if you can just tone this part, if you can just get this hair or get this body part to be a certain size, then you will be free. But what I'm finding over and over is those women will maybe even reach those goals. They'll lose the weight. They'll tone the parts and they don't feel any different. You know, they, they get on the scale, the number reads what they thought it would, and they think, okay, must need five more pounds, must need 10 more pounds. So idols lie, they keep us on this treadmill that never stops chasing something that isn't Jesus. Mm, the idol is never satisfied, but the, the Bible does correct us. It does give us hope here. How does it, how does it do that as we struggle through this issue? Oh, in so many ways. You know, it's when people ask me what my life verse is, <laughs> I very much shock them. When I say it's Jonah 2.8, those who trust in idols um, forsake all hope of steadfast love. But, you know, the Bible encourages us, right? Romans 12.1 and 2, to make our bodies a living sacrifice. For me, that meant really laying down all these standards I had set for myself and my body and saying, no. Lord, my body is yours. What do you want to do with my body today? How can you use this body that you made on purpose for your purpose today? Help me love you and love others well through this body. And then the second part, right after that, Romans 12, uh, verse 2, tells us not to be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. So every day I have to choose how I'm going to think about this. Am I going to think about my body like the world thinks about my body? Or am I going to think about my body like the Word (laughs) tells me I should think about my body? 
We are speaking with Heather Creekmore. She's the author of the 40-Day Body Image Workbook. So diet and exercise, not necessarily a bad thing, but how, like, what's the biblical view versus the worldview? Because sometimes it can be overemphasized, right? Absolutely, right? And yet, of course, taking care of our bodies is a good idea. Our bodies are a good gift from God. But in the book, I explore what I'll call Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. <laughs> Disney World reference there, I guess. But, you know, we've been on a crazy ride following culture around the ways we should eat and even the ways we should exercise. And I'll give you an example. In the early 1990s, I only ate plain bagels which I sprayed butter on because, ooh, butter had way too much fat in it. That was bad for you. Fat would make you fat, (laughs) was the common belief, right? So I was eating only carbs in an effort to be thinner, where, you know, go back like five, six years when keto came into popularity, what were we eating? We were eating only fat to be thinner, right? And if you look back over the last hundred years, because dieting is really a relatively new concept, you look back over the history, we keep just kind of cycling through the three macronutrients. There's fats, there's carbohydrates, and there's proteins. And everyone gets a chance to be the hero and everyone gets a chance to be the villain. And eventually our bodies say, oh, you know what? I really missed carbs. I need to go back to carbs. And like, even right now, I think culturally we can see that carbs are kind of back in style because everyone's been keto for too long. So I think we have to be careful as believers to be discerning with these trends around food, right? Jesus calls himself the bread of life. When we get to heaven, God's going to throw us a feast. (laughs) I just have to believe that we've been kind of duped into thinking about food in a way that is unhealthy, whereas God wants us to enjoy food as his good gift. We kind of have to almost detox our mind, I think, because we've been fed these lies for so long. So then how do we how do we do that? What what things can we do to heal our mind almost through these thoughts? Yeah, well, I think just getting real, right? <laughs> so what one of the ways that I um, encourage women um, and even men to do this is to just kind of think through, like, what are you thinking? Most of our thoughts are just so common to us. A lot of them we've had for you know, decades, we are hearing the same thoughts, uh, the same lies in, in, in many cases. So just stopping and being, what are these thoughts that I'm hearing? Like, write them down. How does this match the Word of God? You know, is this thought that I'm having about myself, about my body, is this in alignment with what God says about me? And really just slowing down and listening to what we're thinking, I think, is the first step in, you know, bringing those thoughts to light and then hopefully, ultimately, you know, transforming them to align with God's Word. You know, there's also the worship of just youth as well. I mean, you think about all the mm-hmm. anti-aging commercials and, and products that are on the line. How can women of all ages kind of reframe this concept of aging instead of something to be feared, something to really be appreciated and grateful that, God, you are continuing to be faithful and giving me more years and not fighting what that looks like as much? Oh, I love that, Bridget. Absolutely. Yes. And I do talk about aging in this book. I turned 50 this year. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So this is very real for me. And, you know, 
you're, you're right. It's the messages of culture completely conflict with what God says about, you know, the addition of years being a blessing. Gray hair is supposed to be a crown. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know many women that think of gray hair as a crown, but gray hair is supposed to be a crown. With our age and experience, we have more to offer to the church. We have more gifts to serve with. And, you know, we might not have more energy, <laughs> but we still have so much value to God's kingdom and to those around us. And if we get caught up in the world's narrative that because I have wrinkles and because my body doesn't look like it did when I was 25, I'm no longer useful. No one will respect me. No one will listen to me. Like we're just really giving into Satan's lie and not, I, I would say, you know, not doing what God has for us in, in the later, the last parts of our lives. I would say the best anti-aging cream is laughter or a smile. I, I think yes. that changes your perspective on what's going on. It, laugh at some things. Uh, smile at those things. Uh, get near kids. Those those are things that are all, I think, helpful. And I think we've lost a lot of that in our society because we're so down on everything. We've, we've lost the ability to laugh at ourselves or laugh at other things. You're so right. I When I was researching for this book, I read the sad story of a woman who hadn't smiled in 30 years because she didn't want to get laugh line. <laughs> wow. And that's why this issue is problematic. <laughs> wow. That's yeah. crazy. All right. Well, and I also think, you know, we look at a baby and say, oh, that child fearfully and wonderfully made. Then we get to 45 and we're like, that verse isn't true anymore. I'm not fearfully and wonderful. I think we do think that in our minds, don't we? We absolutely do. But you know what I love about Psalms 139, 14 and the whole passage is it talks about how God knit us together, right? And too often, I think, you know, even as a believer, I had this theology that like my body was kind of on an assembly line and God like squirted in a soul, <laughs> you know, like it was a little bit haphazard, like, oh, whoopsie, we gave Heather this body. And that's not true at all. Like, think about First Kings and how intentional God is in his, his instructions about the building of the temple, right? Well, if our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, why would we believe that God was any less intentional with the way he made us? He knit us together. Knitting is very precise from what I understand. I'm not crafty. <laughs> but, but knitting is very precise. Like, we were made on purpose for his purpose. And that doesn't stop when we reach a certain age. Well, this is actually not just a book. It's a workbook. And so there are activities here that I know our listeners can be a part of. Now, we're pretty much out of time, but can you just give us an example of what one of those activities might be on this topic? Yes. Well, I have you look at Scripture to see what it says about your body and about the way you were made. One activity is you will write down things you've heard about your body over the years that might be lingering lies that you've clung to and it's time to release. Mm. That's a good exercise. And I know the book is filled with so much more. It's called The 40-Day Body Image Workbook by Heather Creekmore, who's been our guest. All right. I was going to ask you, now that you're 50, what's the one thing that hurt that didn't hurt before that? Because I could tell you all the list of things now that I'm 50. But anyway, (laughs) we won't go there. Heather, thank you for your time this morning. Thank you.